The Copywriter Club podcast is sponsored by AirStory, the writing platform for professional writers who want to get more done in half the time. Learn more at airstory.co forward slash club. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 48 as we chat with freelance copywriter Marcella Allison about how she became a copywriter, working with A-list mentors like Paris Lampropoulos and David Deutsch, and her secret for landing a steady stream of clients without a website. Marcella, welcome. Hi, guys. I'm going to be notorious for that now. Like, everyone's <laughs> going to be like, I can't believe she doesn't have her own website. You guys are going to crack you're right actually, up. You're actually not our first guest that didn't have a website, at least oh, until good. they got on the podcast. Rice Schwartz, who's a copywriter in the internet space, didn't have a website last year when we talked to him. He does now, finally. So maybe this will be the spark that gets you a website, Marcella. <laughs> Or maybe you just don't need it because you're that good. Um, (laughs) Tell me about that. Marcella, I think a good place to start is we had met at our Titans Masterclass, Brian Kurtz's group, and you were my advocate during the hot seat session, and I think you were the best. I forget if we called it an advocate, but basically you were representing my needs, and you were the best one there. And so uh, I owe you big time, and I'm excited to dig more into how you got into copywriting and hear more about you. your experiences so far. So I think a good place to start is with just your story. How did you end up getting into copywriting? Well, one thing I have to give a big shout out to Brian Kurtz, because I have to say the reason I was a good advocate was I had trial by fire at his (laughs) Titans event, being an advocate for 30 people that day. So, uh, I did that have a bit sense. of practice. I did. I have did a bit not of practice. know that. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother podcast story. Believe me. So really, I've had two entry points into direct response copywriting, and it's kind of come back around full circle, which is very funny. So when I graduated from college in 1987, there were no jobs for love nor money, as my mother would say, because we were right in the middle of the recession, and I had an English degree, which was even harder to find a job since then, you know, we've kind of come around to the idea that we're sort of these nice, well-rounded, you know, humanitarian people. But back (laughs) then, nobody knew what to do with an English degree. So my first job was actually running a book club that was called the Graphic Artist Book Club for F&W Publications in Cincinnati back in 1987. And I wrote the little blurbs, these were book clubs where you got a little bulletin each month and it would tell you about the books and you would get a book auto shipped to you every month. And even though it was called the Graphic Artist Book Club, like we had maybe one or two books on doing graphic design on your computer. This was, you know, before any of these programs existed. So I did that for maybe a year and a half. And then I left Direct Response and I didn't come back until 15 years later I ended up writing a copy for option traders at Schaefer's Investment Research. 
And that's sort of the start of my second career. So that was about 2003. And the funny thing is that right now I work on retainer on the financial side with the money map, which is run by a man named Mike Ward, who worked with me at F&W Publications in 1987. He was the book editor. Wow. <laughs> so uh, it always comes all the way around, right? Wow. Which I think is pretty funny. Yeah, never burn a bridge. You never know. That's right. But the way I got back into it was that in between time, I had done a lot of stuff. I had run a contemporary art gallery. I had gone back and gotten my MBA. I had worked as a venture capitalist. I had worked for a nonprofit. And at one point, I had a friend of mine who was a marketing consultant with Schaefer's Investment Research. And he was desperately trying to find someone who understood options, sort of the math of that and the left brain side of that. And again, this was 2003. So options hadn't really become as mainstream as they are right now. Really, Schaefer's was one of the only games in town in terms of newsletters that offered a substantial amount of options services. This friend of mine was working with them and he could not find a copywriter who could understand options and translate it into copy in a way that made sense to people. So he needed someone who really could do both left brain and right brain. And I think that is one of my sort of superpowers is that I tend to be good at translating complicated information into something that people can understand. And so that kind of became the launching of my second career in copywriting. And I've been doing it ever since. Marcella, would you say, I maybe already know the answer to this question, but would you say that all of those things that you did leading up to copywriting made you a better copywriter? Or was it just sort of a journey through all kinds of options till you found the right thing for you? No, I think I was really using the same skill set. I talk a lot about how, so the venture capital firm that I worked for did early stage medical investing. So I would literally be sitting down with, say, a scientist who might even still be in the lab at a university because we were going to be the first venture capital investment and pull that idea right out of the university and set it up as its own company. So I was a financial analyst. So I'd be sitting there with him saying, okay, so explain to me how, you know, this cancer therapy works. What are all the steps? And then I'd say, well, what do you do next? And he might say something like, oh, I go put it in a centrifuge. Okay, well, we're going to need to buy one of those because you won't be able to run over to the university and use theirs, right? So like I would help him understand how this thing that he was doing turned into numbers on a page that turned into a business that could then be evaluated. So when I'm working, say, with option traders, I'm sitting down and I'm asking them to explain to me, say, a very technical model of how they find a trade, right? Well, how do you know this is going to go up? What are you looking at? And then I'm trying to take that and turn it into something that I can translate that other people can understand and buy into. So I think that ability to sort of sit down one-on-one -on -one with people and understand what they're doing, especially, you know, in finance, right? It might be this option trading model. On the health side, it might be having a deeper understanding of how inflammation works in the body and all the steps of that and 
How do I make that understandable to someone in such a way that they can grasp the advantage of the solution that I'm offering? Is that a skill that we can all learn as copywriters? Or I mean, are some people just more gifted with that ability to connect and translate information? Or is that something that we can all learn over time? You know, that's an interesting question. When I was in my MBA program, we did this funny exercise. I've never been able to find it since where you answer like 70 questions to say how left or right brained you are. And then it actually turned into coordinates. And we had these white painter caps and markers and we drew our brains on them. And you (laughs) could see the people who were so left brain, it looked like an arrow, right? It was so narrow. It was like all left, right? And mine was this big square on the top of my hat. I was literally almost 50% left brain and 50% right brain. So I was like, oh, well, that makes sense, right? That I find a career like that. But the people who are at the extremes, right? Like an incredibly talented artist, right? Or a quant jock in the trading world, most people are going to fall closer to the middle. Like everybody has right brain and left brain skills. And you probably already know which way you skew, right? So you just have to recognize that you might need to build the other side, whether it's taking a drawing class or music lessons or like the people I know who are really good at this tend to be really well-rounded and fascinated by lots of things. You know, David Deutsch is a musician and he loves to dance and we read fiction and he also writes copy, right? Paris plays the guitar and he's had the apprentices a couple, maybe a year ago, he told me they were doing drawing on the right side of the brain, which is a drawing book to like connect to that part of your brain that observes and notices things. So I think anyone can get better at it. And I do think that as a copywriter, especially in an area that's heavy information driven, like health and finance, right, to the highest paying, right? Mm -hmm. You really have to have that flexibility. So I think you just have to know which way you tend and build up the other side a little bit, maybe. So Marcella, after you got that first project writing about options, options trading, how did that then turn into a career as a writer? How did you get the next project or, you know, how did your career develop from there? Yeah, so a couple things happened kind of simultaneously. So I had no idea, right, back then, We didn't have courses and schools and gurus, really. You know, that had just barely begun, right? AWAI had just started out, uh, American Writers and Artists Inc., so AWAI Online. Okay, so they had just started out, you know, with their sort of here's how to write direct response copy programs and courses. I didn't know about them. But in the beginning, when they were marketing, because they were co-owned with some folks who had connections to Agora, to the financial newsletter world, right? They had been sending their promotion to some of the financial lists. And lo and behold, it had been doing well, I think, because a lot of people think of this as a second career and it's kind of interesting. And, you know, if you're a financial person, writing for financial newsletters would be curious to you. So I'm at Schaefer's Investment Research one day. I've been hounding my boss saying, Surely there is some sort of system for doing this. Like, I'm just making this up, right? On As I go along, I'm like, surely there's some books. There's something that would help me here, right? And he comes in. Kevin Addington is his name. He's actually now with St. Jude Cancer Research. He's funny as heck. He comes in. He's like, hey, Marcel, is this what you've been talking about? And he hands me a promotion that AWAI had sent to Schaefer's asking for permission to rent our list. 
And it's about this boot camp they're having and all these courses they're going to have and all these speakers. And I'm like, well, for the love of, yes, that's what I needed. I'm like, you're sending me, put this in the budget. And it turned out that that was a intensive little boot camp with boardroom, which is now bottom line. And Bernie Schaefer had always admired boardroom and they had, you know, bottom line personal, they have bottom line health, they have more personal finance, right? They didn't have any option trading programs. So it wasn't like a competitor and he'd always admired them. And he said, yeah, I would, I would be willing to send you. So I go to this conference and David Deutsch is speaking there. And along with a lot of other people, Lori Haller, Monica Day, all these folks that I've been working with for a long time. So David is talking about the writing and Lori's talking about the design and Brian Kurtz is there and I get to know everybody there. And what happens is while we're there, we're told we have to write sort of a, a headline, headline and lead for a new book. I think it was their annual, their health annual. So I'm like, all right, I'm game, right? I'll try that. And they're kind of showing us how to do it. And I'm practicing. And then at the end, on the very last day, Marty came in, Marty Edelson, the founder of Boardroom. And we all put them up on a presentation and Marty made comments on them. You know, he pointed to different ones and said what he thought about them. So they put mine up and Brian said, oh, this is really good. You know, and Marty really liked it. And, and Marty says to Brian, who wrote it? And before Brian can answer, Marty says, a man or a woman? And I'm looking at this headline and there is like nothing in the headline, right? The headline was something like, did your doctor read 4,826 studies this week? If not, he might have missed the one that could have saved your life. And it was about how no doctor has time to keep up with this. But if you get this annual right, you can go through and find this stuff out. Okay, so Brian Kurtz says to uh, Marty, well, it was Marcella. And Marty says in this great sort of low voice that he had after the stroke, this low grumbling voice, I think that deserves a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> now, what would he have said if, uh, if a guy had written it? I have no idea. But Brian is looking at me like, mayday, mayday, right? What am I going to do? And I said, of course it does, right? And Marty is like 80 at this point, right? Like, and I, and I run over and I get to give Marty this kiss. So when Marty passed away, I wrote a note to Brian and to Marty's family. And I said, you know, I like to think that that was the kiss that turned me from a frog into a copywriting princess oh. because Marty's kiss began this crazy chain of events where a year later, Paris Lampropolis calls Michelle Woke at boardroom and says, hey, I want to train a group of apprentices. I want to grow my agency. Do you know of anybody? Michelle says, funny, you should ask. We did this thing with AWAI. We had a bunch of people, you know, do headlines and leads there. I can send you this woman whose lead Marty picked. Then Paris gets my information from Katie at AWAI and literally cold calls me in the middle of the day at Schaefer's to say, would you like to come and be my apprentice? At the same time, David Deutsch and I had met at that conference, had formed a friendship, and I had said to him, you know, would you be willing to coach and train me? And uh, he said, you know, I don't usually do that. But I said, well, what can I do for you? Right? What can I do for you? And he said, well, I'm writing copy for the Wyland sisters for this woman's book, if you could review it and tell me 
you know, as a woman, have I, what did he say? He said, have I offended the broads? Which cracked me up. (laughs) So I did. I reviewed it. And he said, in all seriousness, and I adore David, he said, you know, your copy is so terrible at this point. I don't know how to help you, but you've got amazing (laughs) insights. You've got amazing instincts because I find your critiques really helpful. So we just started swapping. I would critique something for him and then he would give me another lesson or tell me a book to read or help me try to get to the next step. It was pretty funny. So it all kind of came together, like all in this one moment in time, you know, it was very serendipitous. And I'm very grateful, right, for wow. all of the pieces that made that come together. That sounds so much like our really? relationship, Kara. My copy's bad. I tell you what to read. You tell me how to improve my copy. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's good to have those people. It's That's good right. to have your copy. Oh, God. I like that idea with the kiss and how that transformed your career. But I think it really speaks to what you did there, the power of showing up going to conferences, what we were speaking about before we started recording, showing up at the right right places with the right people and how that can really change everything. And I think that's the perfect segue into mentorship. I had wanted to ask you, you know, why mentors are so critical in the copywriting space. There are more and more courses now, right? And you can definitely learn from courses and books and online communities. And I participate in all of those. But I think what happens in a mentoring relationship is you have that one-on-one hands-on teaching and you're actually going through a real project together step-by-step. There is something magical that happens in that. It's why medical students, right, don't just learn on books Then they actually have to go through like a residency where they're standing side by side with someone else who's showing them how to do it and teaching them how to do the thing they're trying to learn to do. I think it is better now, right? Like when I first started out, if you didn't have a mentor, you had some old books, you had maybe one or two courses and that was it, right? But now, you know, you have a lot more materials to choose from, but I still feel like that intensive learning and training one-on-one with a mentor is so important, just so important. So can you point to, this is a hard question to answer maybe, but can you point to two or three things that you learned specifically from a mentor like Paris or David that just really moved your career forward exponentially? I've had a lot of mentors in my life. I've had David Deutsch, Paris Lampropoulos. I'm working with Mike Ward again right now, Mark Ford, Clayton Makepeace. Each one of them taught me something unique and different. I guess I'm turning it, I'm going to turn it around a little bit. And if this isn't helpful for your audience, you let me know. But when I was thinking about your questions that you kind of sent me before the call, one of the things you said to me is, you know, how does this work? And I was thinking about that each mentor offers something different, not just in the information they give you, but in the style of how they do things. Some of the things I learned from them had to do with the style of their teaching. So for example, Paris, more than anyone I know, he has studied what works. And he hasn't just studied it, he has broken it down into systems, patterns, formulas, rules, right? Which the left brain part of me adores. Because then if I'm having trouble starting something, he gave me a structure like rules, like I wasn't looking at a blank page anymore. I was like, oh, 
If I need to start a sidebar, I go to my lesson on how to start a sidebar. If I need to write bullets, I go to my lessons on how to write bullets. If I, do you know what I mean? If I'm doing a close, I know these are the six things I have to do. So Paris gave me a real structure. And as, a, as the part of me that is left brain loved that because then I had a process. And I love having a process because then it wasn't vague, right? What David gave me were these gifts of humor and playfulness. So David was a stand-up comedian. David is far more right brain, like in terms of just sort of creatively riffing on things. Now that could make, that made it very hard sometimes for him to communicate with me about what needed fixed in something. And he's changed and evolved over the last 10 years that we've been working together to just be this amazing teacher now, right? But in the beginning, he was learning how to be a mentor in some ways, and I was learning how to work with him. He didn't have this really left brain structured way. He used to tease me. He would say, is that Paris rule 486? (laughs) And we would crack up and laugh. He was much more uh, about humor and playfulness. So he taught me that one way to be entertaining and copy was simple things like a double entendre or playfulness in my headlines or alliteration with words or just a little bit of humor, not like telling a one-liner, but you know what I mean? That was a gift, right? So each person brought something new to the equation that allowed me to become a richer and better copywriter because now I had not just one or two tools in my toolkit. I had dozens of them, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. So I want to ask a follow-up question to that. How does a new copywriter who may not be able to, you know, afford exposure to someone like Clayton Makepeace or get, you know, on the radar of Paris, how do you find the right mentor? You know, how do you connect with somebody who actually knows what they're doing and they're not just, you know, a charlatan selling a course trying to make a buck? Yes, I think that is a huge issue. So I say to my writers, (laughs) and this is is a funny story. So I say to them, you have to do your due diligence. You must qualify your mentor first. You have to do your homework. And yes, it's flattering that they are asking you, but you should do the same thing. And I did this on Paris. I think it surprised the heck out of him, right? Because (laughs) the irony is that I didn't know who he was. I was working for an obscure little option trading firm in Cincinnati, Ohio. I didn't even know this world of these guys existed. I knew about David, right? Because I'd met him at this boardroom thing. But I didn't know about Paris. Nor did I know, because no one told me, right, that Paris had called Michelle Woke and Michelle Woke had called Katie and like there's this whole connection, right? So I just get this call in the middle of the day from this guy named Paris Lampropoulos. And Paris assumes that I know who he is, but I don't know who he is. And he starts asking me questions that would be considered illegal if you were applying for a job because what he wants to know. Because what he wants to know is that I will understand the health audience because I was at that time, I was just 40, right? So he wants to know, like, have I had any chronic incurable conditions? And what did I do to try to solve that? And he's trying to figure out, have I tried alternative? Have I tried mainstream medicine? Do I know what it's like to be in pain? Do I know what it's like to be frustrated and not have a cure for something, right? And I am like, Who are you and why are you asking me these questions? Oh, and he wants to know how old I am, of course, because he wants to know, you know, do I have arthritis? Anyway, it was pretty darn funny. At the end of that call, you know, he tells me what he's doing in this apprenticeship. And I'm like, well, could you give me a few references that I could call? (laughs) (laughs) 
blacked out like who you are and what this was just like oh my god and people now are like you didn't I'm like yeah I did I'm like you know so I say to people you know do your homework I did I called every number that Paris gave me you know and asked them about him if someone says to you hey you know I'm starting this business I'm gonna have a whole team of copywriters and I'll train you find out right have they written copy before do they have a great reputation for leading copy teams you know even if they don't write copy do they have a great reputation as a chief of good copy there's a couple ways to find a mentor so I started out as an in-house copywriter and you know there's a lot of people like Ray Robinson is now with Stansberry and I'm working with Mike Ward at the money map Clayton has apprentices like Chris Alsup works with Clayton so there are ways in which you can go to the company that that mentor is the head of or the copy chief of, right? So if you work with Paris, then you write for Advanced Bionutritionals. You can join a copy team with an amazing mentor or copy chief who leads that team. If you can't do that, then you can take those courses, right? Again, do your homework. So, you know, Clayton Makepeace has a whole bunch of courses in a mastermind program that he offers through AWAI. John Carlton has the simple copywriting system that is amazing. Kevin Rogers has RLF. You can find the courses that are connected to the people who have the reputation who have they written for? Have they proven themselves in the market? And then there are, you know, this whole other area that's developing like people who train you to write in the ask method or people who train you to write for product launch formula, right? That's a whole nother area. So it's kind of a combination of what area do you want to write in? Who's the best mentor in that area or who has a reputation for being the best copywriter in that space? Are they hiring, right? Can you go to work for a company where you'll at least get them chiefing you, which is how I started with Mark Ford, right? I started writing for Early to Rise and that was how I had Mark Ford chiefing my copy and I did that deliberately. I'm like, oh, if I write for Early to Rise, then Mark Ford chiefs your copy. Done. I'll write for Early to Rise. And in the beginning, I wrote for far less, but I would say to people, I'm willing to do this for dirt cheap, but I want your promise that this guru is reading my copy, not someone else. Like if he'll promise to critique it and give me feedback on it, then I'll do this for you at that rate. Incredible. I So once you have the mentor or mentors, how can you take the feedback and the criticism how do you work with that so that you're actually improving? Because there, there's like there's an art to that as well. There absolutely is. I have two ideas around that. The first is what I said at the beginning, which is understand what type of teacher you are working with and adjust accordingly. So that's like the first thing I learned is, okay, if I work with Paris, the man has spent decades breaking this down, studying it, creating processes and structure, use the structure, right? So I, anything I give to him is in his structure following the things that he's taught me. Now, what I learned with David is for us to get to the same outcome, I would have to give him, it was almost like the spaghetti at the wall, right? How about this? 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 And he would say, no, that's not it. Well, that's closer. Well, maybe this, like he couldn't say we're driving to Chicago, right? Paris says we're driving to Chicago. Here's the map. Get in the car, go to Chicago. I know I'm going to Chicago. 
Now, trust me, there's a whole lot of stuff that happens on the way to Chicago that takes a ton of effort, right? But sometimes David's like, well, I don't know. And David's very, his mind is very open. So he's the kind of person who hates to close down possibilities. So with him, it'd be like, well, we could go to Chicago or we could go to New York. Or I've heard Baton Rouge is really cool. Have you ever been to, have you ever been to Hawaii? Maybe we should go to Hawaii, right? And I'm like, ah, right? Because I've got to like get the car to some destination. So we had a process that evolved of staying open for maybe longer than I would have with someone else, throwing a bunch of stuff out. Almost we used to say that we would argue like this Jewish married couple. He'd say, no, I don't like that idea. Well, why not? I like this. Well, not that and like this. And we would come to an answer, right, together. So you have to understand the teacher and the style and adjust accordingly. The second thing you have to understand is when you are an apprentice, you are writing in their voice. You are not writing in your voice. You are not writing like Stephen King. You are writing in the voice of the person that you are apprenticing under. And it's not that you're a parrot, but it's that you are in that voice. It's no different than you're writing in the voice of a guru, right? Because you, I don't sign my promotions. They're all signed by the guru, right? So you are writing in the voice and you have to understand that. I didn't try to write like somebody else when I was working with Paris. My goal was to write in Paris's style. So I hand copied Paris's promotions. I read all of Paris's promotions. I studied what he was doing and I wrote in that voice. So the first thing you have to understand is you are writing in the style of the mentor that you are working with. And sometimes trying to study 15 other mentors at the same time can actually confuse you, right? You can do that to add in or learn new things, but you have to remember your primary voice needs to be the voice of the guru that you are working with. As I said, you need to understand their style. So arguing is a really difficult thing, right? What I see many apprentices do in the beginning is they want to argue every point. Well, that is exhausting for the person who is mentoring you. And in many ways, it's not respectful of the fact that they have 20 years in this career on you. So at a certain point, you just need to shut up and listen. I mean, it's true, right? You just need to listen and learn and assume that they are correct. Now, that said, as David and I evolved and we'd been working together for a long time and I was catching on to things, I learned that sometimes it wasn't that the thing I was proposing was boring. It's that I hadn't said it in an interesting way. So I finally learned, and this was not my first day working with him, right? After many years of working with him, I learned that if I had this real gut excitement over some topic that I just felt was so cool. So my radar was going off again because I developed it over years of writing for alternative health. I would say to Dave, he'd say, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And I would say, no, it really is. And I would get all worked up and I would make my case. And he was famous. He would do this every time we get to the end of the, there would be this pause and he'd say, well, when you say it that way, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> And then we would capture whatever that phrase is. But in the beginning, arguing every point with them and why you know more than them. Why did you want to work with the mentor in the first place if you thought you knew everything? You know, then go do it by yourself. And the final thing I'll say is ego. It is so hard for people to get out of their own ego and to understand that this is not about you. It's about actually getting the best piece of copy for the client in front of the customer such that everyone makes the most amount of money or that you heal the most amount of people 
or help the most amount of people save their retirement. I see that ego come out in ways that we talk about a lot. So one way is that people get so attached to their words that they refuse to change them. They fall in love with their own copy, even though there is a better way or a better idea. Like you have to be Zen-like about this. You have to just stay open and curious that there could always be just one more better solution or one more tweak or a change or a different way of looking at it. Because the more locked in you are to those words, the less likely you are to actually find the best solution. You got to pull yourself away. And I, I told this story the other day, the best lesson I ever had in ego actually came from David Deutsch. This was after we'd worked together, I don't know, maybe almost 10 years at this point done, psh, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 projects for boardroom bottom line. I get this call in the middle of the afternoon and it's David. And uh, <laughs> David used to do this thing to me. I'd pick up the phone and it'd be like, Joe's pizza, pepperonis at the door. And I'd be like, what, what? And I'd go wrong number. And I'd hang up and then I'd look and I'd go, blasted and I'd call him back and David would just be cracking up and he'd say, God, you're so easy. I can get you every time. So I can't remember if it was like the Indian restaurant or the pizza delivery. So he gets me, I call him back. I'm cracking up. I'm like, I hate you. And he's laughing. And then he says, Hey, I'm calling you because Michelle woke up boardroom called me and uh, I just finished this package. I turned it in and she said, it's a, it's a little flat. It's kind of boring. And she suggested that I call you and get some, uh, get some ideas for how we might rework these sidebars. And he's going on and on. He's still talking. He's still talking. And I say, shut up. And he goes, what? <laughs> I said, shut up for a minute. You just gave me the best lesson on ego and copywriting I have ever had in my life. And I just want to take a moment to appreciate you. And he's like, what? And I said, I'm your cub, right? I'm your mentee, right? Like you've been training me for 10 years. I write for boardroom, you write for boardroom. And you are calling me with no ego to say, hey, Michelle said this package that I turned in was a little flat. Do you have any ideas? I'm like, I don't even know if I could do that. Like, would I be able to do that to someone I was teaching? Say, hey, my client that I taught you to write for just said that maybe I should call you. And I said to him, that is like unbelievable that, and he's like, well, I don't care. I just want to make royalties. Right. And if she didn't think it's, you know, but he had no ego and he had been in this industry for well over 20 years. He's like the top one tenth of 1%. And he had no ego. And I just said, that is amazing. And that is why he is in the top one tenth of 1%. Right. That is why. So when I see somebody who hasn't even been writing six months and wants to argue with someone <laughs> like David or Paris or whoever about how they actually know more about something, you know, I think you cannot, you cannot get attached to this. The copy is just the copy. It is not you. It is a something that you created, but it is not you. It is not your child. It is not your baby. It is just copy that needs to go out in the world and do this bigger thing. But that can't happen if your ego is so big, it's in the way of it going out in the world and doing that bigger thing. Marcella, I can think of a few people who might be listening to the podcast thinking, well, you know, obviously Marcella's career track is maybe one of a kind. She had all this early exposure to these great writers. If somebody were trying to break into direct response writing today, they want to write a control for a Agora or Boardroom or, you know, one of these other great places that hire these kinds of writers, what would they do to break in and get noticed? Absolutely. Okay. So the first thing is 
look, you don't have to decide that you're going to write in this area for the rest of your life, right? But this is a huge, broad market. So pick your beginning space, right? And it kind of helps if it's sort of tied to something you've been doing, right? Doesn't have to be, but it it could, right? So let's say, you know, you've always had an interest in the stock market. Maybe you inherited some money from your mom and put it in a whatever. And you decide, I, I really think I want to write for the financial newsletter market. So again, you're like, who are the biggest players in the financial newsletter market? And where are the best mentors? Jed Canty and Mike Ward are at the money map where I am now. They are amazing, right? Or you've got Mike Palmer at Stansberry. So you find who's the best in that field, who has the best sort of marketer, copywriter, guru at the helm, right? I'm not talking about the person who's trading now. I'm talking about the person who's, you know, leading that organization. Then you subscribe to absolutely everything you can for free. Because as soon as you're on their free daily email list, you're going to get every single promotion that they put out. And the ones that you're getting emailed five and six times a day for the course of three or four weeks, I can guarantee you those are controls. Then you're going to print those out and you're going to sit down and you are going to study them. You know, think of what, do you remember how people used to learn how to paint, right? You would go to like the Louvre or the Met and you would see students with their easels sitting down, copying the Mona Lisa in charcoal or whatever they'd been assigned to do. You're going to find the company, find the division, find that person that you want to follow. You're going to print everything out. You are going to study it. You're going to hand copy it. You're going to do everything you can to prepare yourself. And then there's a lot of interesting things you can do. Like when you think about the fact of how many lift letters we need for one of those massive promotions or videos, you could offer up, like write 10 of them for free and send them. You can go to, say, AWAI's job fair and complete their spec assignment because almost all of them will have one there. You can go to any other conference where that person is speaking or attending, like, you know, Paris is talking at Kevin Rogers event. Okay, well, you can go there and you can come armed with this understanding of everything they've written and what they're working on so that you can communicate to them intelligently. So you have to be deliberate. But what I see people do is just go up to somebody like, I don't know, a Clayton Makepeace and go, so are you guys hiring anybody? (laughs) And I just want to like smack them upside the head, right? I'm like, that is not how you do this. You almost become a stalker, right? Pick your area first, like just pick one thing to start with one thing you're interested in. It helps if you're really jazzed about it and you love it. Then go study everything that they do. Uh, We had a lovely woman from Hay House pop into the Titanides the other day. They're looking for writers, right? Okay, so if you adore self-help books and you have 486 of them on your shelf and you've read all of Louise Hay's books, well, that's a great place to start. Now start looking on their promotions, study their website, read all their copy, get on their list so you're emailed. Try your hand at a few small, simple pieces of copy and send it to them and say, you know, this is who I am. I'm a copywriter. I love your work. I've Here's five things I've done. You know, I'm not saying it will work every time, but I'm saying it will increase your odds because now you're learning their voice and find out if they hire copywriters. Do they work with freelancers? Are they interested in looking for new writers? I will tell you. <laughs> 
I get calls daily. They are always looking for new writers and they are especially looking for new writers who already know and understand their voice. Take their copy and reverse engineer it. What are they doing? Ooh, it looks like they have the short little intro here. It's kind of a get to know you three paragraphs. Then it looks like they got a benefit. Then it looks like like you can like turn that almost into a formula, right? If you're looking at what they're doing. Yeah. That means you are ready. And I do believe that these opportunities still exist. I don't believe that things have changed. And I don't believe that I was a one hit wonder. I did this exact same thing, right? I did a lot of stuff for free. I just reviewed David's copy for a year before I was actually at the point where he could even look at a headline and give me some tips. I mean, I was awful. He didn't even know what to say. He was like, here's three more books to read, right? And it was exactly what I needed. But I didn't tell him he was an idiot and he didn't understand my copy. I went and read the three books and started hand copying his promotions and learnings. I think in any area today, those opportunities exist. I think you do have to do your due diligence before you decide you're going to jump on board with someone because don't you want to learn from the best? right? You want to learn from the best. And at the same time, you can still take assignments for a smaller player because that's how you get your writing chops. Like the only way you get better at writing is to write. That's like the secret. You want to get better? <laughs> write, right? It's not like rocket science. And I like to say to people that working for Schaefer's in the beginning of my career was a blessing because it was the wild west of the internet. Like people were so excited when they got an email message, they would read a message from your dry cleaners, right? Like anything that came in your inbox was exciting because you got about three a day. So option traders were really early on to adopt this technology because they were already online because you had to be online to trade options and they were you know, they were just a little bit more early adopters in terms of technology. Okay, so literally, I would get an assignment on Monday, and that email usually went out by Wednesday. It was like maybe seven to 10 pages, and it would be about a particular strategy or something Bernie was seeing in the market, but it was selling, right, one of our specific services, right? You know, so here's, you know, I don't know, earnings tips or whatever it was. So literally, I wrote two promotional emails a week day in and day out. Sometimes there were more because sometimes we wanted a special offer or one on the weekend. I just wrote nonstop for about two years. Just start writing for anybody and everybody. And at the same time, set your compass for that, that mentor that you really want and start working towards them. The first thing Paris said to me, will send me what you've done. And I said, well, dude, I've done nothing in health, but I got about 4,000 quick and dirty, hot copy for option traders. You want to see that, right? Paris is like, okay, send it to me. And he said to me, this was interesting because I said to him once years later, my God, what did you think about that crazy stuff I was writing? He goes, you know, I ran it through that Fleisch Kincaid thing and you were the only one who was consistently writing at that point in like no more than seventh grade. Like you naturally got that you had to keep it simple and short and yet you were writing about a very complicated thing, but you had managed to do it at a seventh grade level. And that's what convinced me you could do this. Oh, so you I, never know, right? How all those dots connect. You no, just you don't. Know. But I think it comes down to what you've said. You know, it's the self-awareness to know where you are, what you need at that time, being really honest with yourself about your strengths and weaknesses, and then doing the work, yeah. doing your homework. I mean, everything you've described, it's like, oh yeah, but that, oh, that takes time. That takes effort. That takes research. But that's what it, <laughs> that's what you need to do in order to make these connections and I just being so. humble and open. I think these are just really 
great reminders. And I wanted to ask you a lot of other questions, but I just realized we're already at the hour. So I think we could wrap by asking you what you're working on now, you know, where we can find you, what you're really excited about right now. The non-existent website website question. (laughs) (laughs) So on the financial side right now, I did something I've never done before, not since Schaefer's actually, Mike Ward convinced me to come back and work with him for a year at the money map on the financial side. And it turns out that I'm actually working with an options trader that I have known since my days at Schaefer's, who is now at the money map, a a wonderful person named Chris Johnson. So I'm having a wonderful time. Here it is, you know, 15 years later, right? I play a long game. So 15 (laughs) years later... I'm working with Mike Ward again and with Chris Johnson at the Money Map, launching several services for Chris and having a blast doing that. On the health side, I have been doing just a little bit of chiefing and sort of brainstorming back and forth with another amazing copywriter, Henry Bingaman, a friend of mine. He's also in uh, Kevin Rogers groups and many others. And he works with a company called Natural Health Sherpa. And they have a lot of health products for sort of overweight, gray-haired, middle-aged women like me. So I'm kind of their guinea pig and I'm reading copy and um, Henry and I are having a great time. In the way that this industry can be so interconnected, I actually introduced Henry to Mark Stockman, the CEO of the Natural Health Sherpa, and lured him away from the money map where he was writing copy with Mike. And now I'm at the money map and he's with Natural Health Sherpa. So that's how it all goes around. So those are my current two projects, which I'm loving. And then I have a passion project, which is that I have a organization of women, copywriters, entrepreneurs, and marketers in the direct response industry, and actually in other industries too, I should say. And it's called the Titanides. We started at Brian Kurtz's Titans event three years ago. The women got together for a special dinner. That's where I do a lot of my mentoring and coaching. And we are having our first ever conference this year with a whole bunch of senior women in the industry uh, speaking, talking about mentoring for women specifically. And that's Titanides, T-I-T-A-N-I-D-E-S dot com. And that right now is the only place I exist online and only because someone heard that I didn't have a website and actually created that for me for free, which I think is just absolutely amazing gift. Great way to get noticed for sure. Well, thank you so much. This was an incredible interview, Marcella. We really appreciate you sharing all that you have and we definitely need to have you come back so we can talk about the wall of fame and about 30 other (laughs) questions that we have outlined that we haven't even gotten to yet. So hopefully you will come back at some point and we can ask you all of that. Oh, I always love doing this. I love to pay it forward. I was really blessed to have so many people who helped me and I, this is something I love to do. So I hope it was helpful. You're always welcome to call and ask whatever you need. Thank you, Marcella. Before we end the podcast, we just want to tell you about our sponsor, AirStory. AirStory is an application designed to help you write faster. And it does a few things really well. It makes collaborating with others on your team easier. So if you work with clients or other team members on projects, you'll love the way that you can interact within your project documents. But there are two things that we really like about AirStory that you won't get with Word or Google Docs. The first is the way that it lets you organize information into cards. If you refer to research or other information when writing blog posts or websites, 
websites or sales pages, you'll love the way that you can organize bits of information or entire articles into a card file that you can then drag and drop into your document. And if you do your research online, AirStory's Chrome extension lets you cut and save information directly into AirStory. It's pretty cool. Plus, AirStory has a library of templates that you can use on different projects. So let's say you've been hired to write a sales page or an email sequence and you don't have any experience or you want additional inspiration for the project. You can go into the template library, find a template for what you're working on, and use it to start your document. Maybe best of all, you can try it now for free. In fact, one project at AirStory is always free. If you're a professional writer, there's so much here that can help you. Check it out at airstory.co forward slash club. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.